Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of Acts. Hello guys and good morning. Welcome to the Bible Explained podcast. Today we're actually going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be talking about two chapters of the Bible. Usually I try to stay just in one chapter, but it turns out that Acts 21 flows perfectly into Acts 22. And I believe that that is intentional. So we're going to be talking about Acts 21, the end of it, and also Acts 22 today as well. So let's go ahead and start in Acts 21 verses 37 through 40 and move into Acts 22, 1 through 22. But I won't be doing a pause between the two chapters just to let you guys know. All right, so I'm going to be reading this out of the W.E.B. as usual. Feel free to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea to join along with me. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he asked the commanding officer, may I speak to you? He said, do you know Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who before these days stirred up to sedition and led out into the wilderness the 4,000 men of the assassins? But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no insignificant city. I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. When he had given him permission, Paul standing on the stairs beckoned with his hand to the people. When there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense which I now make to you. When they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they were even more quiet. He said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, instructed according to the strict tradition of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, even as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders testify, from whom also I received letters to the brothers and traveled to Damascus to bring them also who were there to Jerusalem in bonds to be punished. As I made my journey and came close to Damascus about noon, suddenly a great light shone around me from the sky. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. Those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they didn't understand the voice of him who spoke to me. I said, What shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus. There you will be told about all the things which are appointed for you to do. When I couldn't see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well reported by all the Jews who lived in Damascus, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up at him. He said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you wait? Arise, be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. When I had returned to Jerusalem and while I prayed in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not receive testimony concerning me from you. I said, Lord, they themselves know that I am imprisoned and beat in every synagogue those who believed in you. 
When the blood of Stephen, your witness, was shed, I was also standing by, consenting to his death and guarding the cloaks of those who killed him. He said to me, Depart, for I will send you out far from here to the Gentiles. They listened to him until he said that. Then they lifted up their voice and said, Rid the earth of this fellow, for he isn't fit to live. At this point in time, Paul is in Jerusalem. And even though he knew that persecution was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, he was still dead set on going. And so here it is. He was in the temple, minding his own business, and there were some Jews from Asia who saw Paul in the temple. And so you might ask, well, why were these Asian Jews in Jerusalem at this time? Well, it was happening during Pentecost. All of this was taking place during the Pentecost, most likely because we know that Paul really wanted to get to Jerusalem before the Pentecost happened so that he could celebrate in Jerusalem. So because it was the Pentecost, which is a Jewish feast, Jewish feasts always attracted a whole bunch of people to come to Jerusalem to celebrate that feast. And so that's why these Asian Jews were most likely at Jerusalem. It could be also that they hated Paul and were stalking him because we did see that happen before on a couple occasions with Paul. There were some Jewish people that hated Paul so much that they were actually like stalking him and uh, trying to kill him wherever he went. It could be that, but to me, it makes more sense that these Jewish men who were from Asia most likely went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Pentecost. And so they happened to see Paul because Paul was such a notable person. They see him in the temple and they're like, hey, there's that guy we hate so much. So here's what happened. The Asian Jews actually take Paul. They seize him is what it says. And they start crying out in the temple. They're like, this is the man that brings Gentiles into the temple. How dare he? And so because all of the, the Jewish people who were in that temple already had these preconceived notions about Paul, that he was actually teaching Gentile people to apparently not follow the Old Testament laws. The, the entire crowd in Jerusalem joins in on this and they start beating Paul, trying to kill him. And these Roman officers who are nearby sees what's going on. They're like, oh, another riot is happening here in Jerusalem. And they see Paul getting beaten. And so the Roman officers take him to try to figure out what is going on. And so they chain Paul, they handcuff him and bring him into the barracks. Now, the crowd was so violent that they actually had to carry Paul into the barracks. That is how outraged the Jewish people in Jerusalem were over the presence of Paul. So now Paul is in the barracks and the commanding officer is trying to figure out who the heck he is. So it says here in verse 37, Paul asks the commanding officer, may I speak to you? And he spoke to the commanding officer in Greek. And so the commanding officer is shocked. He's like, you know, Greek. He's like, aren't you that Egyptian guy that staged that coup? and brought those 4,000 assassins to cause a whole bunch of damage at the Mount of Olives. That's historical, by the way. You can look that story up. But Paul is like, uh, no. He's like, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia. I am a citizen of that great city. And so now this commanding officer, who initially thinks that Paul is some sort of a terrorist or a criminal because of the way the crowd treated him, now he's starting to second-guess himself because Paul is an educated man, He's speaking Greek. He is, you know, holding his own in a conversation. And also he is saying that he's a Jew, a citizen of Tarsus. And so now this Roman official is starting to think second thoughts about Paul. So Paul asks the commanding officer 
Can you please let me speak to the people? I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So the commanding officer gives Paul permission and props him up on the steps before all of the people of Jerusalem. And so Paul switches the language that he's speaking and he switches from Greek to Hebrew. So we know that Paul was a very accomplished, intelligent man because not only did he speak multiple languages, but he was very, very good at tailoring himself to who he was speaking to. Like he would change his tune depending on who he was speaking to. And he knew that if he started speaking to the Jewish crowds in Greek, that they would get really mad about that because what was their initial anger with Paul? The fact that he was apparently bringing Gentiles into the Jewish synagogues and also not teaching the Gentiles the the Old Testament laws. So it would have been a very bad idea for Paul to stand up in front of this Jewish mob and start speaking to them in Greek. So <laughs> he switches to Hebrew, which is very smart of him. And so in Acts 22, verse 1, Paul began speaking to them and said, Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense which I now make to you. And then it says in verse two, when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they were even more quiet. So the crowds actually had like a total change here. This mob that was literally infuriated trying to kill Paul moments before this is now very interested in what Paul has to say. This is how fickle people are. I just talked about that on the podcast yesterday, actually, how fickle people really can be. So Paul says in verse three, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, instructed according to the strict tradition of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, even as you all are today. That's an excellent opening because first and foremost, Paul addresses their concern and compliments them all in one sentence. It was an excellent opener. He says, look, I'm a Jew just like you guys are. I was raised here in Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel, the great teacher. I, I was strictly adhering to the Old Testament law. I was zealous for God as you all are here today. And then he goes into how he started persecuting Christianity. He says in verse four, I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering them into prisons, both men and women. So that is how cruel Paul was. We went into that at the very beginning because Paul would target anybody. Didn't matter if they were male, if they were female, old or young, he would target them if they were a Christian. That is how much Paul initially hated Christianity. But now Paul is using this past shame to explain to this crowd how he is a changed man and how he became a Christian. And so he says in verse six that as he was traveling to Damascus to put more Christians to the death, it says, as I made my journey about noon, a great light shone around me from the sky. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. He says, Look, the, the men who are with me on the road to Damascus saw that bright light as well, and they could hear something going on, but they couldn't distinguish the words that I was able to distinguish. Now, Paul, the reason he says all that is to show the crowd that he's not crazy and that this actually happened. There were other eyewitnesses, though they couldn't hear the exact same thing that Paul heard. But after this entire situation happens to Paul, where he sees that bright light, he is totally blinded. And so he takes 
the men, the two men that were with him who were not blinded, by the way, most likely so that they could guide Paul into Damascus. Paul takes their hands and he gets led by them into Damascus. And that is where Paul waited until Ananias comes to him. He says, look, one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well reported of by all the Jews who lived in Damascus, came to me and standing by me said to me, brother Saul, receive your sight. And in that very hour, I looked at him. Now, why does Saul mention that Ananias was a devout Jew? Because once again, that was the issue that these Jerusalem Jews had with Paul. And here's the other thing I, I picked up on while reading this. It's very possible, very possible that a lot of these Jewish people in this crowd listening to Paul were also Christians, but they had so much legalism and so much arrogance of their genealogies and so much hatred of the Gentiles that they couldn't stand that Paul was preaching salvation to the Gentiles. And I, I kind of picked up on that while I was reading this portion of scripture today, because notice how the crowd isn't really getting angry about Paul talking about Jesus and meeting Jesus. This means that a lot of these Jewish people were either Christians or at least had come to terms with Christianity themselves and were almost becoming comfortable or at least more comfortable with the name Jesus of Nazareth being talked about. They were not getting angry at Paul because of the, the talk of Jesus. They were getting angry at Paul because of the whole Gentile thing. But we'll get more into that in a second. So Paul continues his story. It says that Ananias tells him how God is going to use him. So Ananias gives Saul some prophecy. Ananias says to Paul, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you wait? Arise, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So at that moment, Paul gets baptized and that is where his story basically started. And we know that after that, three years later, he came to Jerusalem. So Paul skips ahead a little bit in his story. And he mentions when I had returned to Jerusalem and while I prayed in the temple. So once again, why would he mention that? Because he was addressing the, the concerns of the crowd that somehow Paul had totally just rejected the Old Testament law. But that's not the case. Paul is, is stating that by saying he went to the temple. He worshiped in the temple. So he wasn't rejecting the Old Testament laws. In fact, he was carrying them out. So he, Paul mentions that he was in the temple when this trance happened to him. This is the first time that we hear about this trance happening from my understanding. He says, I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me, in other words, Jesus, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not receive testimony concerning me from you. I said, Lord, they themselves know that I am imprisoned and beat in every synagogue those who believed in you. When the blood of Stephen, your witness, was shed, I also was standing by, consenting to his death and guarding the cloaks of those who killed him. So Paul's like arguing with the Jesus in this trance. And he's like, no, Jesus, I'm the perfect person to stay in Jerusalem and to preach the gospel to the Jews because I was once a Jewish man who beat and hurt other Christians. And that testimony is going to be good for the Jewish people to hear. And yet here's what Jesus responds with. 
He said to me, depart, for I will send you out far from here to the Gentiles. So God intended for Paul to be a missionary to the Gentiles, basically from the get-go. And Paul might not have wanted to do that. In fact, it's, it's pretty clear that Paul did not want to do that. He wanted to stay in Jerusalem and help his Jewish brothers and sisters accept Jesus. That was what Paul's goal was. And yet God told him, no, you are going to go out. You are going to be a missionary to the Gentiles that need to hear about me. I can imagine that Paul was kind of like, why though? Like, why would I go to the other nations when I am a Jew myself? And when I grew up in this, am I not the perfect person to stay with the Jews? But here's the thing. Paul truly was the perfect person to go out to the Gentile regions because not only did he speak multiple languages, but he grew up in a Gentile region, which was Tarsus. He was born in a Gentile region. He was a Roman citizen as well as a Jewish man. So he had so many credentials that would help him with both Jews and Gentiles all over the world. On top of that, Paul was kind of freed from his legalistic background of strict rule following. And because he was freed from that, he was able to relate even more to the Gentiles who didn't have those laws and rules. So he truly was the perfect person to go out, even though uh, Paul himself says right here that he didn't think he was the perfect person to go out. He wanted to stay in Jerusalem. But Jesus told him, no, you're going to go out to the Gentiles. And when he said the word Gentile, the crowd freaked out. They started rioting all over again. They listened to him until he said that is what it says in verse 22. Then they lifted up their voice and they said, rid the earth of this fellow for he isn't fit to live. Why the word Gentile? Why was that the word that made this crowd freak out? Because I believe, like I said earlier in this episode, that these Jews in Jerusalem were so focused on their own genetics and their own genealogies and their own ancestors that they were unable to see how the Gentiles could also be offered the gift of salvation. They didn't freak out hearing that there was salvation from Jesus. They didn't freak out when they heard the name of Jesus in Paul's speech. They only freaked out when they heard that Jesus said that the Gentiles could receive salvation from him. That is why I believe that many of the people in this crowd were Christians. Titus chapter three, verse nine says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Now that was written by Paul. And why do you think Paul said to avoid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law? Because these things, not only are they unprofitable and worthless, they don't get to the heart of the matter. They take our attentions off of the gospel and off of what really matters and puts our attention on things that just don't matter. I know nowadays that people are so, so focused on their race and their ancestry and their genealogies. And it becomes extremely divisive because suddenly... One group of people 
is considered to be way better than a different group of people. And right now there's like this huge focus of taking those like ancestry tests or trying to figure out who your ancestors were. But here's how I look at it. First and foremost, it does not matter because all of your ancestors are dead. So why are we arguing about people who are dead? And secondly, there is no group of people who is above another group of people. In God's eyes, every single person on earth is created equal in his sight. That is why it says that there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male or female anymore, because all of us are equal in God's sight. So arguing about genealogies is pointless, it is silly, and it's not going to get us anywhere. And it's not going to help us in life either to focus on stuff like that. What is going to help us in life is to focus on God's love for all of humanity and to focus on how the church is considered the body of Christ and not one member of the body of Christ is above another member of the body of Christ. We are all supposed to be unified specifically in Christ. Christ is a unifier and things like genealogies and dissensions and quarrels about the law and controversies All of those things are divisive. So we don't focus on those things. And sadly, the Jewish people in Jerusalem didn't understand that. They were so focused on their Jewish genealogy that they didn't actually believe that Gentiles could also receive Jesus's grace. They didn't believe it. And so really all of this boiled down to how the Jews believed themselves to be better than the Gentiles based upon their genealogy. But faithful listeners, we will finish up this chapter on Thursday. So please tune in then 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. But also please check out the shop. I have a lot of really cool things in the shop that I actually drew and designed myself. And everything is super comfy too. Every single thing in the shop is really great. So I have the Yahweh tees that many people have rave reviews about. They say they are so comfortable. I had someone tell me recently that it's the only shirt she can comfortably sleep in. And I was like, wow, that's that's super cool. And she ordered two more. So <laughs> so check out the Yahweh tees specifically, because not only is it God's name in both English and Hebrew, but the two languages form the shape of a cross. And that is perfect for what we talked about today, how the Hebrew language and the English language, you know, the the Gentile language, those two languages come together to form the shape of the cross. There is no Jew nor Greek. So check out that. I'll list that in the description of this episode. Faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.